Hey everybody and welcome back. Today we are going to discuss kind of the aftermath of the UFC Fight Night Reyes versus Prohashka card. Um, kind of a strange night of fights, a lot of decisions. Uh, some fights were, you know, alright, some were, some were really good. Uh, fight started off with Felipe Calares versus Luke Sanders. Luke Sanders started off hot in that first round. The boxing looked good. Was able to implement some of the wrestling, but... As the fight kind of wore on, you could see the cardio was an issue for uh, Luke Sanders. It looked like he was kind of holding, you know, weights when he was throwing his punches towards the end of the fight there, and Calaris was able to capitalize and pick up a win. Uh, I think Sanders won the first round, and then Calaris definitely won the second the second and third. Uh, Andreas Michalaitis picked up a victory over KB Buller. Uh, this was – I didn't know this, but until I saw, I saw it, like, mentioned in a, an article – but this was the first time that a Greek fighter has ever won in the UFC. So a big deal for Andreas. But this was an interesting fight for two reasons. One, this KB guy looked like he could have... Like, I thought the announcers were spot on when they said he just doesn't look like he believes in himself. Like, he doesn't look like he believes that he belongs here. You do have to believe that. You could kind of see, like, he was damn pretty sound defensively. Uh, using some good movement and stuff and when he would start opening up he started throwing some nice kicks and he just had to let it go a little bit more and let it fly and realize like hey I gotta be offensive if I want to win and I do I do deserve to be here I'm in the UFC I got called up to fight this guy it's time to go fight um the other thing that I found interesting and I think this is just lack of octagon experience maybe or maybe it's just the corner not picking up on it I mean you got to realize it's probably the first fight for both the corner and the fighter but something you got to realize is like Michaelitis took KB down and had a clear advantage on the ground. Like once he got the fight there, he took his back. Like I thought the fight was going to be over. And when you get into that position, you can oftentimes mount the guy and finish via ground and pound, or you can pick up a submission somehow. Right. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think he ever shot again throughout the fight. And I thought that you got to realize like in the UFC, like, yes, you might have an advantage in the striking department. You might be more powerful than this guy, but when that's not working and you expose something, like the ground game, like when you have a clear advantage, you got to capitalize on that in the UFC because finishes look way better today in a white than decisions, right? I mean, you got to put on a really special performance to end in a decision and have him be like, oh, yeah, that was great. You know what I mean? Like I think he, he really favors finishes. He, finishes. he favors guys who get people out of there. And when you expose something like that, I thought Michaelitis had a clear advantage there, and I thought that they should have just capitalized on it a little bit more. I mean, granted, he won the fight right? That's the goal. You get in there and you get out with your victory. Like you're one to know in the UFC now and you're going to get your next fight. But I'm, I just think that that's something that would have let him maybe, maybe even have an easier night than he did. You know what I mean? Like he might've been able to get him out of there early in the second round if he gets the fight to the ground. So just something that I found interesting. Uh, Loma, Loma Book Moon. I'm going to fuck this name up. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Loma, if you were to ever see this video, Loma Lugbuname. Defeated Sam Hughes via unanimous decision. Um, Luana Carolina picked up a split decision win over Pollyanna Botello. And this was a fight where Luana Carolina was a big underdog. Uh, you know, Luana's got that reach, though. And another thing is I think her jiu-jitsu and her ground game was a little bit slept on. Just because she got knee barred, right, in that last fight of hers. But I think, like, she was trying. She was making moves to take the back there, and your legs get tied up. But that game's confusing if you don't know. Like all in all, she seems to have a relatively sound ground game, and uh, you know, I think she was uh, slept on a little bit in this fight. I thought the odds were a little bit skewed, and uh, you know, 
I don't know. TJ Brown and Kai Kamaka was one of the better fights of the night. I personally thought Kamaka should have came away with the victory. Um, but it was a close fight. TJ Brown was definitely fighting success. I just felt like when Kamaka hit him, he was hurting a little bit more. Uh, Luana Pinero and Randa Marcos. We got to talk about this one because the way it ended was first round stoppage disqualification because of an upkick. Randa Marcos threw an illegal upkick to Luana Pinero when Pinero had her knees on the ground. Actually, I think when the kick landed, one knee might have been up, but the other was definitely on the ground, right? And there's a lot of debate over whether Pinero is acting or kind of selling this, right? Um, I don't know whether she was or not. I, I do think that she, there's, I think they're exaggerating a little bit. But I think that they're exaggerating, like in cases with Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan, and in cases like this, I think they're exaggerating out of necessity. I do think that they're hurt. And I think that, like, they're afraid if they were to stand up and look okay outwardly that they're going to get a lot of, they're going to get a lot of fucking hate thrown at them from the general public and a lot of people saying, hey, because the MMA community can be a little bit ruthless. Like, hey, you should have fucking continued pussy, da-da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? They'll, t- they'll say that type of shit. For real, that'll be what your reputation will be if you just bitch out on a fight. And I think that in situations like this, and like the one that Aljamain Sterling were in, like if you're compromised due to an illegal blow, you should just have a more open line of communication with the referee. You should be able to say it. And you shouldn't be scrutinized as much as you are. I think you should just be able to be honest. You ate an illegal blow, right? Now, in this situation, it looked to me, and I'm making, and Luana, I'm, if it knocked you out, what? I'm sorry. But it looked to me as if when Luana got hit, she kind of recentered herself, put her hands back to brace for impact. The left hand kind of hits first. She tucks her chin a little bit before she lands. It's not like it slammed up. She definitely wasn't knocked out cold, right? And then she kind of turns over and is like writhing around the same way that Aljamain was on the ground. And it's like, I just, I don't think that's how you act when you get knocked out or when you're really hurt. I think you're kind of woozy and actually stumbly and not in control of your motions and stuff like that. Like, I'm not denying that they, I'm not denying that they were, I shouldn't say hurt right? I think like on the verge of being like knocked out and like that kind of like, it's, I don't know. I do think though that you can be like, things can be fuzzy to you and you might be okay to stand up and walk around, but you're kind of like, what the fuck? Like, oh, like I'm getting punched. Like I I could see how you could still be in control of your body, but be processing things like in a way that you shouldn't be right. In a way that's maybe really slowed down is going to give you a major disadvantage leading into the fight. So it's like, I think that it, you just got to ease off the backlash for fighters when they eat something illegal. and Because you got to look at the, I mean, both of the blows that they ate were hard. Like the blow that Luana Pinero ate against Randa Marcos, that was a hard upkick, right? And if she feels compromised, I think she should have every right in that scenario to say, hey, I'm hurt. I can't continue. That's it. I ate an illegal blow. It was a fucking blow that could have knocked me out. I'm hurt right now. I'm compromised. I don't think I should have to continue after that and fight in a compromised state and risk this loss on my record when I shouldn't have had to continue in the first place. You know what I mean? There's just so much pressure on them to continue. I feel like that they feel a need to over exaggerate in order to sell it. I don't think that should be necessary. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope that doesn't continue. I hope that you either got to fit, you got to fix it too. I feel like, right? Like you either have to like, I think the best way to fix it, to be honest, though, and you just make them legal, right? Because when they're made legal, 
and the other person is aware like in Aljamain I'm not saying that like Piotr Jan should have been able to knee Aljamain Sterling in the face or that Randa Marco should have been able to upkick Luana upkick Luana Pinheiro in the face no that's not what I'm saying I'm saying that if you make it legal and the fighters are blat- they're it's obvious to them like they're aware of it they can come up with ways to prepare for that throughout their training camp and in their training right and they can be aware of it in the fight and know that they have to stay safe in those positions because they can't just be hanging out on their knees. By the way, being on your knees, if somebody's in front of you and they got two hands on you, right? You're the one in a compromised position. It's not fair that you can work your way back up to your feet in a way that's like not necessarily realistic in my opinion. And it's already a brutal sport. Like you eat flying knees, you eat head kicks, you eat fucking shots. If Francis Ngannou punches you, that's basically a fucking, I feel like it's going to knock 10 years off your life, right? Like Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a brutal sport as it is. And I think that also, I think if you allow it, I don't think you would see it as often as you think. Like Demetrius Johnson, it looked like he made an error in the way that he tried to get up. To be honest, the thing that sucks about it is that the, you make it legal. But here, I was thinking about this. If you are, if the only blow that you can throw to somebody who's a downed opponent or punches, if they're in front of you on their knees and you have both of your hands on them, these are your methods of controlling that person. You've earned the right to be in position, right? To throw this knee, in my opinion. That's how I feel. And when you take a handoff and you have to punch somebody and that's your only weapon available, you're sacrificing one of your methods of control. Even temporarily, that's enough time for some guys to capitalize, get a hand inside, start standing back up. I don't think they should be able to do that. I think, honestly, if you're like, oh, how do you stand up? Maybe you don't stand up. Maybe you're in that position and you're coming up to your knees and you just have to fall back to your back so you don't need a knee to the face. And maybe that's the reality, is that you were in a compromised position and you have to go to a worse position now because the position that you were in could have ended the fight. So now you have to go to your back and just maybe you just fall backwards. I mean, seriously, maybe, maybe it's a sacrifice you have to make in that position because it's one that can definitely end your night and one that you should be forced to deal with. And I don't think it makes it easier for guys to just kind of find a, an avenue to stand up in a manner that's unrealistic. Like, if you're in that position and you can't find a way up without getting kneed in the face, you might just have to go to your back and figure out a way up from there so that you stay safe. But if you're aware of it, there's no reason that you can't prepare for it going into the fight, right? That's how I feel about it. I, I think that I think that knees to the down, to downed opponent should be one of those things that are legal, and it's a sport, right? You're always trying to find that balance between sport and fighting. Like it's like I said, it's a brute, but like I don't believe that you should be able to like hit guys in the back of the head intentionally or like elbow them in the fucking spine or like right here. No, I don't believe in that shit, right? Like also nobody's gonna watch that, but like I just think that the knees to the downed opponent thing is like. Uh, I don't, it, it's an iffy one, man, but I, I personally think it should be allowed and that fighters should have to just deal with the reality of that position because you can also, it's like, it's front facing most of the time, right? Like, I'm not saying you should just be able to like, but it's, you're able to see it coming and you know that it's a possibility so you can deal with it. You know, it's not like it's coming from behind you or something like kicks to the back of the head or like when somebody has back control that, I mean, ugh, I mean, Jesus Christ, like, I don't really need to see that shit. Like you already got back control, like <laughs> find another avenue to get this guy out of there. You know what I mean? Like transition him out or choke him out or something. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on to breaking down or talking about this main card. Uh, the first fight was Marab Devalishvili versus Cody Stamen. Great fight. Um, but one where, 
Marab and his gas tank, once again, were just the determining factor. The guy just doesn't get tired. And I shouldn't say it's only his gas tank because really he showed off. He was a little bit of a better wrestler than Cody. Cody looked competent there. Like he, Cody's pretty good at going through. He's pretty good at transitioning and everything too, getting into some scrambles. And he was able to stay safe there. But he was just ne- never able to do anything offensive to Marab, really. And if he did, Marab would negate it pretty quickly. And also... Marab was winning the striking exchanges. I kind of thought maybe Cody, he sat down on his punches a little more, throws some hooks. Thought there might be opportunities for him to sting Marab on the way in. But Marab looked very good, very competent on the feet. Just did a great job all around. And the second round was the most decisive. But it's really just that pace that he puts on you. And Cody just couldn't keep up with it. And Marab just overwhelms guys, man. And he's, they're going to be... This guy's a bright future, I think, in the Bantamweight division. And you got to wonder who he's going to end up fighting next. Is he going to, you know, you want to see him fight somebody like Sean O'Malley or something, right? Somebody who, like, is a really good striker. Is he going to be able to deal with that? And on the flip side, is Sean O'Malley going to be able to deal with the type of wrestling and cardio of Marab, right? That kind of forward pressure and, like, relentlessness and maybe willingness to walk through some of those shots to land his takedowns and stuff and sean has good jujitsu i think that's a really good matchup that the ufc needs to look at but we'll see i i i don't know sean's just got such a big name but marab is doing a lot to build his own now so we'll see we'll see big night for georgians by the way marab devalage really picked up a win and same with giga chikache and the co-main event we'll talk about that a little bit later uh next with sean strickland versus christoph jaco you know this was a fight where Sean Strickland was a big favorite and for good reason, I think like his boxing is really good and he's got kind of a different style. You know, he kind of leans off to the side and he throws stuff like with his shoulders and stuff. And he's got a weird kind of awkward way of generating power and landing these strikes, right? Kind of, um, a little bit unorthodox, I guess, um, especially for MMA, but it works. It's very effective. And he was just able to land the cleaner strikes throughout the fight. And, you know, towards the end started really implementing the leg kicks. But I'll tell you what I really liked out of Christoph Jocko in this fight, guys. I liked that Jocko just kept trying to get the win. He kept trying things. He kept trying to bring that pressure. And I think he had worked on his cardio some and his, because he was pretty relentless throughout the fight. Like he did not make it an easy night for Sean Strickland. Like he was bringing it to him, right? Like he was throwing things. He was trying. Sean was just a little bit too sound defensively in those situations, you know, and you got to remember too, it's hard to take him down. He's got good takedown defense. He's also a brown belt on the ground. So he knows what he's doing down there. I just, I love the tenacity from Christoph Jocko. Like I love the fact that he just kept getting after it and just kept trying things to get Sean Strickland out of there and to turn the fight in his favor somehow. He just wasn't able to. Sean was a little bit better than him. And that sometimes, man, that's just the way it fucking goes. You know, I thought it was a, it was a good performance from Christoph Jaco and one that I think he should be proud of. But sometimes you just run into guys, man, that are just like Sean Strickland, I think was just the better, the better cleaner striker. He was landing the more significant shots and he just, you know, stole the decision from Christoph Jaco. I shouldn't say stole, earned a unanimous decision whenever Christoph Jaco. Next was Ianku Taleba versus Dustin Jacoby. This is one man where like Ianku Taleba, it kind of went exactly how you thought it would. Well, not exactly. Exactly in the sense that, like, you kind of thought Kutalaba would burn himself out early, and then as the fight wore on, he would wear out. That that did happen. But he got a hold of Dustin Jacoby, and they got into these wrestling exchanges, and basically the entire first round was just young Kutalaba hitting mat returns. And then Dustin Jacoby would turn, crawl to the fence, stand up, and young Kutalaba would take him down again. And then Jacoby would turn, crawl to the fence, stand up, and then it would just happen. 
over and over and over again, you know? And uh, as the fight started to wear on, like in the second and third round, you definitely saw Kutilaba start to fade and Dustin Jacoby was able to open up with the striking a little bit more, right? And capitalize on it. But man, I just think that probably also like the game plan with the takedown wasn't bad, but when a guy's standing up that often, Kutilaba probably wasn't prepared to take, he's a guy who burns himself out and uses a lot of energy early on in fights anyways, but he probably wasn't prepared for that style of wrestling. Like he probably thought he was going to take him down, hold him down there, advance through his guard, maybe hold him in side control or half guard, land some ground and pound etc etc right he probably didn't necessarily think that i'm gonna have to just put this guy in the ground continuously and then he's gonna crawl back to his feet and i'm just gonna be hanging on his body with my hands locked together the whole time you know what i mean like that's exhausting and like i said on top of the fact that you're using a lot of energy like all that stuff is just gonna compound and make its make its presence known in the second and third round and you start you start to see the effects wear on them and uh that's how this fight ends in a draw right so I thought the draw was accurate too. It was probably a 10-8 round in the first, and then I felt like Jacoby controlled and probably won the second and third. The thing with Kute Laba, man, and this is what he's got to learn, is like I think that he's very talented. He's very athletic. He's very explosive. He's definitely got knockout power. He's actually got some decent wrestling, right? Like those Matt returns, you're winning the round. That's You know what I mean? You're winning, but it's like the cardio to keep up with it. It's just he has to learn a little bit about load management. Like he has to calm down a little bit and realize like, okay, I don't have to get this guy out of here right now. My power is still going to be there as long as I don't overextend on too many things and throw these big wild shots. Like it's still going to be present. And if you watch a lot of, it's just, he's able to blitz through people up into a certain point. And at a certain point, there are going to be guys who are just really good at staying defensively sound and are going to wait and weather that storm. And then start taking over from there. Like there are better guys in the division than Dustin Jacoby, no offense to Jacoby, but like as you start advancing through these levels, you're going to have to realize that when you don't get them out of there, what are you going to do in the second and third? And if you're ever going to fight for a title, what are you going to do in the fourth and fifth? You know, it's something you got to think about. And I think that it's a fine, it's a hard line for guys to find because you know, they're so good at landing that knockout shot sometimes. And they have so much faith in their power that they just go after it early on and they want to end it. And they, but when, when it doesn't happen, they fatigue themselves. And it's like, how do you find that balance? I think you gotta, you gotta try to achieve it though. If you ever want to be successful at a high level, you know, and you gotta do things that are gonna benefit you. Like that style of wrestling for Kute Laba, maybe it would have been better for him to back off it and get into more like boxing exchanges at first, like pressure boxing and then mixing up the takedowns and like, Maybe not just sticking with a mat return style takedown the whole time that's going to drain you and exhaust you over the course of the fight. You know what I'm saying? So just things that Kute Laba needs to think about and work on. Um, Giga Chikache versus Cub Swanson. This one was tough to watch, man. I mean, Cub Swanson's a legend. Um, one of the best 145-pounders for a while there. Um, still ranked in the top 15. Just on a tough stretch lately, right? Like lost four in a row, won his most recent two, and then he loses this one via TKO. He eats a liver kick from Giga. And man, hard liver kick. He goes down immediately in obvious pain. Giga follows up with a couple punches. Uh, you know, Cub tried to wrap the leg up, go for a takedown, but Giga wasn't having it. Landed a couple blows, and the fight gets called. And just a great performance from Giga Chikache. And it's just like, man, Cub's getting a little bit older now. I think he might be like 35, 37-ish. And he's just in this point in his career where he's kind of playing gatekeeper a little bit, fighting these new up-and-coming guys. And sometimes he spanks them and teaches them a lesson, right? Like Daniel Pineda, right? Um, 
Duho Choi, I remember. You know, like, but sometimes you lose. And, you know, this, you got to remember too, though, Giga Chikache has quite a few fights on his record and he's 32 right now. So he's like really in his prime and he has an extensive kickboxing background. So this guy knows what he's doing. And especially every fight starts standing, he knows what he's doing in that realm. So it's a tough fight for Cub Swanson and against a guy who I think does have a lot of potential in that division. Giga called out Max Holloway. Is he going to get Max? No. The UFC featherweight division is stacked from top to bottom, guys. I'm going to read through it real quick. Uh, Volkanovski, the champ, obviously. One is Holloway. Two is Ortega. Three is Yair Rodriguez. Four is Zombie. Five is Calvin Cater. Six is Josh Emmett. Seven, Arnold Allen. Eight is Dan Ige. Nine, Shane Burgos. Ten, Sadiq Youssef. 11, Bryce Mitchell, 12, Edson Barboza, 13, Mavsar Evloev, 14, Giga Chikache, and 15, Cub Swanson. There's no way he's going to leapfrog all those names in front of him and fight Max Holloway. No way. But could he fight somebody like Bryce Mitchell? Maybe. You know, could he fight somebody like Edson Barboza? That's also a fight like against Barboza, you got to think. Well, those guys are going to stand and probably trade, right? That's an exciting fight. Uh, but is he going to get Max Holloway? Fuck no, not a chance, man. Like, great performance by Giga Chikache. I think big things could be coming for him. I think he's a talented guy, but a little bit of a pipe dream. <laughs> um, all right, and finally we move on to the main event between Yuri Prohoshka and Dominic Reyes. And this is, an, uh, this is one where I kind of thought going into it, all right, it's a five-round event. This Yuri Prohoshka has been starching dudes in the first round. He just knocked out Volkanov Samir, but... He uses a lot of energy and stuff. And if he doesn't get guys out of there in the first round, how's he going to continue to look in the second, third, and in this case, fourth and fifth round, right? So I thought if Dominic Reyes, he might get beat up a little bit in the first round. If he can kind of weather the storm, he's going to start to take over in the second, third, and fourth and maybe be able to get a finish in like the second or third because I thought this Yuri dude would tire quickly and that was not the fucking case at all. He put it on Dominic Reyes, man. And Dominic Reyes found moments of success, was able to land a takedown, would sting him hard with that left hand sometimes when he came in a little bit too, you know. I mean, Yuri Prohoshka could work on risk management a little bit, you know. Like, he he's definitely a risk taker. Like, I think he could tone that down just a tiny bit. But at the same time, it also works for him and he's able to land these big shots and stuff and you know, he did get stung a couple times, like Dominic Reyes stung him. And, you know, even when Dominic Reyes got taken down, he did some good guard work down there and stayed sound defensively and was able to get back to his feet and everything. So it's like you saw a real display of just martial arts in this event. And it was a great performance. And just, you know, the thing about Yuri Prohoshka is this, like I said, he's putting it on Dominic Reyes in the first round, just controlling everything, right? And then the second round starts, and I was like, all right, this might be where he starts to fade. And he starts off kind of slow, and then he just starts putting it on him again. And it's not even like – he. I mean, yeah, he's a little bit reckless. And like I said, he has to work on like risk management, so to say, a little bit, right? But also, he does use really solid technique and a lot of movement and a lot of kind of like in and out stuff. But he also uses good head movement, and he has a really good feel for timing and distance, and he controls that distance really well. And he gets guys up against the cage in a position where he can land his blows, anticipate what's coming, get out of the way, and get back in and land his own stuff again. And he doesn't get fucking tired or so it doesn't seem. I mean, we haven't seen him outside of the second round yet, really, I guess. But damn, he was still – what was so impressive about this guy is that he was still exploding and executing the technique with so much efficiency into the second round after the type of output that he had in the first round right? 
And then in the second round, he gets Dominic Reyes up against the cage, hits him with an elbow, and then turns and hits him with a spinning elbow and puts him out cold. And it's one of those moments, whenever this hat, like this knockout was, it was, Reyes was out cold, but the way he fell and face planted and hit his ground and head off the ground and it bounced up. It's one of those moments where I always almost question whether it's even ethical to be watching fighting because the knockout was so brutal. I mean, obviously, like these these guys, they sign up for this. They know the risk going into it. I think if you're made aware of the risk that you should be able to, you know, participate in it. And it just makes you like realize like, damn, I'm rooting for this. Not rooting necessarily. I didn't like, I, I just wanted to see them fight. But when it happens, you can't help but get excited. And that's like really why you tune in is for the potential for something like that to happen, right? And when it happens, you're like, damn, they're in a way rooting for a person to get injured seriously injured and like knocked unconscious it's just like but on the other hand on the other hand of that and this is why you watch what yuri prohoshka did last night was just an execution of pure technique and just true martial arts and the beauty and everything that he was doing and like i said taking some risks like when they went to the ground he ate an upkick from dominic reyes dominic reyes stung him at one point and hurt him pretty bad and he had to shoot a takedown like it's not like he was invincible in this fight. And like I said, I think he could work on the risk management a little bit, but I'm going to get in trouble for drawing the John Jones comparison. But John, what did we all, what do people always credit John Jones for being creative in the octagon? And when he was asked about that spinning elbow afterwards, he said he was just kind of flowing. That's what you like to see out of guys. You like to see people who are willing to take chances but they're like chances that pay off. There are chances like Chris Weidman throwing a spinning back kick against Luke Rockhold where it doesn't pay off and it's just like a poor decision and like poor like that's not your specialty you know that's not your wheelhouse but when yuri prohoshka does something like that it seems to pay off for him and he seems to have an an uncanny ability to recognize when it's time to take those risks in big in big moments and in important moments and land them efficiently so i think that's what kind of sets this guy apart and makes him special and makes you kind of realize like we might be looking at a future title holder here. Am I saying this guy is as good as John Jones? No. Like what happens if John Jones takes you down like Dominic Reyes did in the first round? Do you get back up or does he beat the fuck out of you? Like it's a different story when John Jones has you on the ground, right? Like, but do I think he's going to give Jan Blahowitz some problems? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I think this guy is going to be a problem. I think it's a good fight between him and Jan Blahowitz. And again, Maybe work on just managing that risk a little bit for Yuri Prohaska, but his ceiling, man, through the roof. He's only like 27 or 28 years old. He was born in 92, I think. I think he's like five months older than me, and he's out here fucking about. Also, first fight, Vulcan Ozdemir, right? And uh, second fight, Dominic Reyes. Third fight's going to be for the title. Pretty impressive. And he's coming over from Ryzen, so you had some questions like, beating cb dalloway all right cb dalloway is like 37 years old like probably at the tail end of his career and i think he beat fabio maldonado before that like 41 years old it's like all right but are you going to do it against these young guys and then you see him get hurt against ozdemir right but he wins the fight ultimately via first round knockout which is what he was doing over in rising and these other organizations he fought for and then he pulls off this finish over dominic reyes after like i said a ton of output in the first round and then his ability to maintain it and the efficiency that he was executing the technique with and the explosiveness is what was so impressive. And it was just a great win overall for uh, Yuri Prohashka. I think that's going to wrap this one up, though, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed the fights. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys all later. Thank you. Bye-bye.